Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh. Tubby little cubby all stuffed with fluffies, oh, Winnie the Pooh. Hey, Ryan, are you talking about the president of China, Xi Jinping? Oh, no, I'm talking about Winnie the Pooh, the, 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 the tubby little bear. What's the difference? Oh, well, you know. Oh. <laughs> nothing. 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 That's right. We are taking an official stance. We're trying to get banned by China. I'm giving up all those listens. I, you know. All those billions of listens. And my phone's blown up right now. LeBron James is texting me. <laughs> he's, he's saying, dude, what are you doing? That's so weird. You're getting texted by LeBron. Trey Parker and Matt Stone are on my phone right now. Good job. Good job. Congratulating you. We're proud of you, boys. Yeah. What did they, they call him? Le, Le Mei Dong or whatever his like name was. I saw something on Reddit where they like made really? fun of LeBron. <laughs> I think it was like LeMau. Le oh, um, Barstool Sp- Sports was selling a shirt of him that took the, the, the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. I also love the burn they did on South Park where they had Cartman directly quote LeBron. <laughs> Some people's free speech can be damaging. Yeah, you have free speech. Um, but yeah, so this is... Um, so a shit show. So... Every every massive media conglomeration has is you know essentially yeah, bowing down yeah. to China, but this massive media yep. conglomerate at the Suck My Fanfic Radio Network, yep. we're taking a stand against China. We're fuck you, fuck you. I guess I don't ever want to go there, but yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to visit. I would love to visit. Yeah, honestly. but I'm, I'm on a black. Uh, if that's right the now. case, uh, China seems like a pretty fair place. Yeah, yeah, pretty fair. I mean, it's tough yeah. I mean, every country. The People's has Republic. Them. The People's Republic. Every country has their problems. You yeah. know what I mean? Best part of best part of uh, best part of China, the province of Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would say their the gracious leader who looks nothing like Winnie the Pooh. Not at, Not at all. All no. What I mean that was just. Winnie the Pooh is just like radical propaganda. Absolutely. It always has been. It's Western always propaganda put on by the people in the UK. So you know who you are. <laughs> and A.A. Uh, Milne or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. Radical. Yeah, Ewan he McGregor. He's a radical. Paint, playing Christopher Robin. We mm-hmm. all know Christopher Robin is really just like spy speak. It's just they're just trying to like socially program us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So China, give us your money. Yeah. People's Republic of China. People's Republic. It does seem pretty fair. Um, I, too, like basketball. <laughs> you know basketball started there in, like, the late 1800s? That's not at all true. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, dude. Christian missionaries brought it to the country. Oh, I thought you meant... No, no, no. Like, no yeah. They invented Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, basketball, basketball started in China. <laughs> I'm like, that's just not You know basketball... Uh, no, basketball. Yeah. You know China uh, knitted the American flag? It wasn't yeah. Betsy Ross. It was yeah. China. Yeah. It was China, bro. Yeah, yeah. But no, we're again we're anti Christian missionaries. We're anti China. Well, I don't know where we stand anymore. Do we want the money? Are we selling out? We're turning the money down because I predict there's going to be a like a backlash of more money for people who are anti China. We're turning the money down so we can turn up. Yes, I mean this podcast is made in, in like you know in, in Vietnam, so we outsource a lot of our yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot. We don't use yeah. any American labor. No. Um, except for the labor we exploit for our. We've certainly bonus episodes. certainly stolen the childhood. Of a few workers right. overseas, right, dude? Did you see that email from from the general manager of our plant? We have to install safety nets outside the windows again. They keep no. they keep they keep working I under told the them weight. We're not going to do it under the weight of all those bodies. No, if they jump, they jump. <sighs> I mean, just get another one. All right, there's an orphanage right next door. That's true. That's why we put it there. I know a pipeline. Whatever. Uh, long story short, um, I guess we like China. No, we're anti-China. We're anti-China. Uh, fuck China. <laughs> fuck China. I agree. That's, I just said it. Yep. That's a dangerous thing to say in New York City. Well, Xi Jinping is a big-time listener, so he's probably yeah. he's probably already turned it off. He's probably crying right now. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh-looking head-ass. <laughs> grabbing onto his little piglet. Obama is towering over you. That's why he doesn't want to stand next to Donald Trump, because he'll look really short. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Trump's a tall dude. Trump's like 6'2". He's, he's voluminous. He's he's volume. That's a perfect way to describe him physically. His volume is, and his personality is volumous. He yeah. just sucks everything up. Um, that was a good waste of time. What's up? What's the opening topic? Okay, so the opening topic has nothing to do with that. Tweet at us, China. Tweet at us, People's Republic. Um, tweet, tweet. So last week we um, we like very briefly mentioned, and we talked about it a couple times. The longest fan fiction ever written. Okay. And you know what the longest fan fiction ever written is. Yeah, I don't remember the name, but I know the concept. What's the concept of it? It's about Super Smash Bros. It was written by, I think a person, was he Chinese? Uh, or a channel or Chris. I've never seen his face. That's the author's okay. name. Uh, maybe it was Japanese, but it was, it was um, someone who was trying to learn English. Sure. And they were they decided to learn English via writing fanfic mm-hmm. about Super Smash Bros. I, I read the first like 
maybe like ten words, and it's actually pretty. It's not like not like someone learning how to read. The people who I assume are yeah. native English speakers have much worse grammar. I've heard that it in the beginning it's like sort of choppy, and then when you get near the end, it's like a very eloquent, mm-hmm. like very well written piece. Well, there is no end, so it's it's still going. Well, but yeah, when you get to the end of what has been written, as you he's like going. developing, yes. yeah. So the name of that fanfic is the Subspace Emissaries World's Conquest. Yes, and it's essentially like a what if if the events of Super Smash Bros. Brawl, I guess there's a story mode, yeah. if that if you lose the final battle, what happens then? Like, how's that go? Mm-hmm. And he's got one original character, so he really plays with what his toys are in the toy chest. But I'm going to take this ESPN 30 for 30 style. No, oh, Lord. What if I told you there was a longer fan fiction? What if okay. I told you the Subspace Emissaries World Conquest was the second longest fan fiction? This is honestly news to me, so let's do this. The longest... The longest and also the record holder for the longest piece of fiction ever written is a fan fiction called Ambiance, a Fleet Symphony by Hieda no Akiu. It was it began May 2014 and its last update was uh, April 16th of this year. Okay. So it's been it's been in development for 5 years. So it's, it's sort of an upcoming up and coming uh, <laughs> long fanfic. Up and coming long form fanfic. Now, would you, it's ambiance, a fleet symphony, which I was like, I don't even know, how could the longest piece of fiction be derivative of something I've never even heard of? What is it, like Castlevania or something? So I looked it up. I looked up what it was. Um, It is, um, it's based on this property that is a free-to-play browser card battle game. It's based off of an app, a game of an app. Um and it's like an anime app where it's like card based. It's like Hearthstone kind of. Okay. Um, um, so there's literally zero chance of me knowing it. <laughs> Wait for this. So the gameplay is centered upon upon a card battle game with individual characters represented by various cards with different attributes. Pretty basic. Each of the characters are anthropomorphisms of World War II naval warships that are depicted as cute girls known as fleet girls. All right. These personified warships are based on real-life vessels, which are explained in detail within a game. Physical characteristics, appearances, and personalities of each of the girls correlate in some way to the real-life vessel. For example, ships with larger displacement tonnage are often depicted with larger breasts. (laughs) So, this is like, it's set in this world where, after World War II, they're like, obviously, the peak of warfare is the battleship. Yeah. So let's take the battleship and turn it into a person. <laughs> into a female. A fleet girl. And it literally, like, literally, they when they first released it, they're like, this is not going to be big at all. The, <laughs> the main reason the game was ever made was to appeal to fans of the Imperial Japanese Navy, which has a very small fan base. I was going to ask if they were, like, <laughs> rewriting history. Like, no, no, we won! <laughs> No, we were doing really well in the Pacific until they cheated. All the otakus of the yeah. Imperial Navy of Japan. This is the most patriotic it could be. I guess. Obviously, I was gonna I was gonna ask if like the the American ships were like ugly and the Japanese ships were, like, <laughs> super hot. I, I it's how all... do they fight each other? Do they finger bang and no, they like giners. They'll like... like morph their arms into like turrets and no, stuff. No, they don't. And like yes, yes. Here's a picture. You're lying to me. Here's a picture of what they look like. Those are the fleet girls. Oh, fuck you. So it's a it's a card-based game. There is no real thing that it's based on. Yeah. It's just like a free-to-play game. That is game. a real thing it's based on. And in the first week, you got like 800,000 downloads and it exploded. So this fan fiction, which is based on an app, a card game that you can play, current word count, 4,566,265 words. There's no way a single person has written that. That is all supposedly written by one person, and I was looking. I'm like, this is the most. Pro-. I looked at their, um, I looked at their fanfic.net like archive. Like yeah. they're, they're, they have like another one that's casually 400,000 words of a totally separate fandom. So this person could be the most prolific author of all time. I, we're gonna do. We're we're doing the math. Doing I, the math I well, right okay. So once I found that number, I ripped that sheet out of the okay. supercomputer. I went down to the suck my fanfic lab here yeah. at suck my fanfic tower in Manhattan. Yeah. And I crunched the numbers okay. with a calculator. Okay. So 4,566,265 words. In case you're wondering, according to a random website I found, the average amount of words someone will read in their lifetime is like 830 million, so it doesn't really touch that. It's, I mean, that's still a pretty good chunk. That's like, what, 2%? This fanfic 
is six times longer than the King James Bible. Six <laughs> times longer. And just for context, um, Tolstoy, you know, yep. War and Peace, 587,287 words. So it's eight Tolstoys. It is eight Tolstoys. Infinite Jest is only 557,000 words. So it's short. It's shorter than War and Peace, and it doesn't even be So if we printed it, it would be like 3,000 pages. It would be a complete door jam. It would just be like this tall. Ryan extends his hand to I'm, have a visual in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in an audio format. I would love to see the large print format version of that. <laughs> <laughs> just like... It, it would have to be volumes. Like, there's no single print. An audio pace, an audiobook normal pace is about yeah. 150, 160 words per minute. Let's assume it's at 160 words per minute. It would take 475 and a half hours or almost 20 consecutive days to listen to this fan fiction if it was That's an audio book format. That is not finished. Shakespeare's complete works, in case you were wondering, everything Shakespeare ever wrote down. 884,000 words. So she is... She's, Five times. She's lapping the bard. Five times. She's lapped him and she's coming back around for him. She or he. I have no idea who but, it is. I assume it's a girl. I guess, at that point, it's like quality or, or quantity. At, at one point, the quantity becomes quality. I mean, this is staggering. I mean, yeah. I guess it's in staggering. four million words, you might have some good ones. The previous highest work of fiction, just in case you're wondering before... Um, so Subspace Emissary World Conquest, thank you, um, was, a, was a Prost. Prost novel okay and it was 1.2 million words it is still really long pretty dense yeah um the entire harry potter series is 1.1 million words so this is eight times four times the harry potter series. four times hp um and then i found this other interesting fact so like you when you think about writers and like how much they have to write in a day michael Crichton has this famous claim yeah. when he was like working on a novel he would write 10,000 words a day because he'd write so much and then he would delete it because he was just rewriting nonstop. so he would like i'd write a bunch of nonsense and then delete it and then write over it 10,000 words a day um if one were to keep up this michael Crichton pace every single day it would take you one year three months and two days to write this if you every single day wrote 10,000 words what about what about uh stephen king how fast does he write um i think it was like I think it was like 2,000 or, or 5,000 words. Definitely faster than George R. R. Martin. Got you again, George. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. Boom! That was a George burn. I think I saw it on that website. George Martin was like a negative five. He actually deletes words every he day. He does. Yeah. yeah. It's done. The series is done. He's yeah. just subtracting yeah. words. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to get your take on something that could be so massive. So four massive. million, four, Almost 500. as large as the battleship's. Rests. On which they on which uh-huh. they are based. Okay, what was the what was the first day that it was released? Um, it was released. I think it was like May sixteenth, twenty fourteen. Where I'm gonna I want to figure out how many words he writes a day. He or she. He or she. Twenty fourteen. No, Akiu. Yeah. Okay, and then the last one was April what? April sixteenth, twenty nineteen. That's a good round. Uh, twenty nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's on the sixteenth of every month. There's 900, 800 I guess it chapters. would work if you gave yourself a deadline. Mm-hmm. Okay, how many words? How many words? Four million. Maybe, okay, let me pull out the calculator. All right, four million. 566,000. Okay. 265. So the amount, the amount of days he's been writing it. Well, I guess if the first one was published that day, he didn't write it. Let's tack on 30 extra days. Sure. Assuming they sure. took 30 days to write the first chapter. Sure. So that would be 1,800... And 26 days. Okay. That's 2,501 words a day. That's not that. That's nothing. But for five years. That's a disciplined writer. <laughs> Every day for five years. For five years, yeah. Uh, and you know there's no backtracking. They wrote it and they're like, all right, that's going in there. Yeah. It's all set in the United States, by the way. The first word is what? Houston. And it's like on a base. It's all... Oh, fuck. Let me. Can I read you the synopsis? So now that you're familiar with the... <laughs> The, the, fan, yeah, yeah. the fandom. Just just to give the, uh, some context, when I did NaNoWriMo last year, uh-huh. the National Novel Writing oh, Month, yeah. where you write 50,000 words in a month, mm-hmm. I think you have to stay on pace with 1,600 a day, mm-hmm. and that's tough as fuck. It really is. Michael Crichton, 10,000 a day? It's not that you're... Well, he's, that's his job. <laughs> when he's working on yeah, when he's novel, yeah. It's not that you have to fill those words. It's the fact that you have to find the time to write, which is the hard part. Is, that, is this this person's full time job? Do I they do anything else? It's all it's free. There's there's no you don't have to pay to read it. It's out there. That's weird. It's I mean, out, good for them for being so disciplined. It's published I wish I could be. The synopsis um, from TVTropes.org. In an alternate universe, following the September 11th attacks, the Fleet yeah. Project or the Fleet Expansion and Enhancement Test was initiated by a team of American engineers codenamed Constitution 
who were contracted by the U.S. Navy, the USNAVI, to research and develop enhancements for the United States Navy. Specifically, how to condense World War II-era ship technology into the size of a human being. Especially, ship girls. Ship girls. All was not well, however. While many ship girls were successfully built, activated for initial testing, and prepped for transportation to the States, most of them never reached their assigned naval yards before the outbreak of World War III in 2010 that saw the United States and Iran engage in nuclear warfare. With their developers forced into shelters for their own safety, it seemed as though the ship girls were doomed to fate in myth. The year is now 2029, and the world is worse than ever. Enter our hero, Damon Pulchow. Born shortly after the war, he has basically seen all of what life has to offer after the end. He's hot on the trail of a possible ship girl, following a lead provided by a scientist who had worked on a fleet project, eventually ending up in the for- scientist's former home in the suburbs of what used to be Houston, Texas. It is here that he encounters his first ship girl, and chaos ensues. I'm just going to come out and say it. Fuck anime cat girls. <laughs> Big titty anime cat girls. This is where it's at. This is the new trend. Shit girls. Yeah, this is the this is the waifu watch. If you're looking like you know the, uh, the when they have like the stock shows and they're like buy now, buy now, buy now. Yeah, that's me. But with shit girls. This is yeah. You're the Jim Cramer here is buy shit girls today. I'm saying buy this. Buy 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 buy. buy. Can't I collection is what it's called. Your orders, my admiral. That's like the catchphrase of the of the fleet girls when you're playing the game. Of the game, yeah. That's a that's a big turn on for. So is it like an anime too? Some weebs. I don't. I think, like I said, it's not based on anything. It's all the story all began in this. Yeah, with a card game. The like, card is game. It like an anime now. Um, oh, I found. There's a manga spinoff. Um, manga spinoff or manga spinoff. Just if you guys, there was there's an anime adaption. Yeah, if adaptation. you guys are if you guys are interested, we are looking. There are body pillows. <laughs> there are body pillows. Oh my god! There are body pillows. Um, oh, haven't found any of the graphic. Hot sellers, yet. hot sellers. Uh, wait till Black Friday. I think you're gonna get a really good deal on Probably. on a bulk shipment. Bulk shipment of anime body pillows <laughs> From mixed girls. with. Uh, fleet. Oh, I found Iowa, the USS Iowa. Just a picture of her. Just hey, you like World War Two, right? Pick your favorite. Pick out your favorite World War Two <laughs> ship. I'll get you a body pillow of that fleet girl. Isn't that a thoughtful gift? At this point, I would pick my like who I thought was the hottest fleet girl. <laughs> what if it's like a dumb ship though that you don't like? I'd still do it. Like this one didn't even go to the Battle of Midway. I mean, at this point, I guess I would be putting more thought into what the girl looked like and less about the ship, which I think is what everybody does. Well, I, like I said, they, they really did their research on the type of ship and like how to personify it. So I feel like the best ships would be the, the hottest girls. Yeah, that just bothers me, though. That just, that just like sort of bothers me. But here's the thing. So I have a couple of things for you. So okay. one, isn't it crazy that this thing, Kantai Collection, Fleet Girls... Yeah, there's no way we're pronouncing it the right way. Whatever. Just get over, no, it's fine. Get over it now. Get over yourself. Isn't it crazy that this sounds like a fan fiction, but it's a real thing? Yeah. So what is your take on, like, what, like, people blast fan fiction for being bizarre. This is a real thing. This is a real thing, yeah. Just Very found, real. I just found Shimakaze, who is apparently a, uh, a Japanese ship. Uh-huh. You know the the Japanese imperial stripes, the red and white? Uh-huh. That she has stockings that are red and white. And she has bunny ears for some reason. There's so much thought put into this. I don't know if I want to call it thought. Um, they are thoughts. Got them. <laughs> Fucking got them. Nailed them. Oh, here's another Shimakaze, and it's just her ass. Nice. Mm, there you go. Um, how do I feel about it? And then the other thing I want you to, you, you to feel out, maybe this would be easy to articulate. This this author is one of the most prolific producers yeah, of content. Ever. 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 I think the best way that I could probably look at it is, this is just a message to all you wannabes out there. If you have an idea that you think is good and that you think people might want to consume, I think there's going to be a market for it because there's a market for big titty battleship girls. So there might be a market for your dumb idea or good idea. I don't know what the idea is, but I'm saying if you're sitting there hesitant to put an idea out, there might be a market for it. You can take the um, – and this, I think this is the approach that we're taking. If it's, a, if it's a bad idea, just make a lot of it. And just put tits on it. Just make a lot of it. That's what put we tits do. on it. Yeah, we also do that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just nuts that this is the most, you know... This is a good opening topic. This is... The most this is we were just talking about South Park. How South Park, like, hit their stride with this new season. This is classic SMFF, Ryan. Is it really? This is. This is good. This is vintage. 
This is vintage. I'm, I'm, it's just insane to me that we are we study in our classes like all these yeah. like, like Tolstoy and Proust yeah. and Shakespeare and everything. But yeah. there are people right now who are just owning them. I wonder what Stephen four million five hundred sixty six thousand words. I wonder what Stephen King's total. Like, I looked it up. I tried. I tried to find it. That no one has. Uh, I, I feel like it would be easy to do that, especially in this age that he's producing it in. Yeah. But there really is only like specific numbers on Shakespeare because everyone's obsessed about it. 61 novels 61 is how many novels. he's put out. Some of his novels are 1,000 pages. Some of them are 15 pages, though. Yeah, really he's also done 200 short stories and six nonfiction books. Yeah. And and I didn't tie anything back to Neil Gaiman, so I apologize. I don't know anything. Don't Honestly, know. fuck you. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are? If, okay, just uh, here. I'll tie it back to comics. Four million words, I think, is the average script length for an Alan Moore comic book. Not really, but he apparently he like for like a for like a twenty page comic book, he'll write a hundred words like describing what he wants to happen. Right. Like not hundred hundred words. I'm sorry, hundred pages. Right. That, that's what I mean. Like you think about a guy like Tolstoy, yeah. like he only wrote massive novels, and then yeah. he left. He had like as I was researching prolific writers. Yeah. He left just huge amounts of letters, manuscripts, and, and, and manuscripts, stuff, yeah. and they were just like. Insanely long. You yeah. think of something like even like Alexander Hamilton, like yeah. so much writing, so many essays, so many like you know legal documents. That's this person is the, is that in this day and age? Mm-hmm. No one else is putting that kind of stuff out. No, no one wants to write anymore. No, it, it's it's crazy too because I, I guarantee that this person's like the most like soft spoken, like shy person in the world. Apparently, um, Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, mm-hmm. with him being like so like critical of philosophy and write so you know he wrote so much and he did all these different things. Apparently, he was just like the sweetest, like yeah, hey, what's up? How's it going? Like, dude, in, like in person. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Yeah, I'm just yeah. doing my thing. Yeah. So that's funny. I wonder yeah, what this yeah. person's like in real yeah, life. Yeah, goes he goes to a party and just kind of reads a book. Yeah, he just like, sits there and reads a book, and in his head, he's like, beyond good and evil, there is no morality. <laughs> like, oh my god, you gotta chill out. Yeah. Well, that's that. It's nice that he had writing as a as a as a outlet for yeah. those thoughts. I forgot to go into incognito mode when I was looking for the, for the, <laughs> the bleeding girls. girls. Get ready so. for a million ads. That's fine for contact collection. So again, longest fan fiction ever, longest work of fiction ever is ambiance or ambiance ambiance. A fleet symphony by Hieda no Akiu. I personally choose to believe that it's not fictional. You think it's real? I like to think so. I mean, I have never not seen a fleet girl. You can't prove there's not a big titty boat girl. Yeah. Can't. Sorry. Until you show me every person in the world and confirm that they don't morph into a ship. And have big titties. Then I... I don't believe you. Yeah, I have... There's reasonable doubt. That is... Oh, this is just a horrific thing to see. Just the... the I'm like scrolling through more of the pictures. Stop, dude. Put it, just put it down. No, I can't. Just I, put I it down. I literally cannot. Oh, my gosh. I'm addicted now. Well, you, like... There has to be an audience for this. So, is there going to be like in a couple of years? Is like Disney going to start up the uh, Fleet Girls expanded universe? But now I'm like, I'm sitting here like, what else can we just slap tits on and turn into anime girls and become popular? Like, is there going to be like, like, are they going to do like, like, <laughs> I can't top World War Two battleships? No, like, like, what are they going to do like, like historic dictators? Like, just like Mao Zedong with like big ass Mao Zedong. And... Dong. Yeah, yeah, big ass Mao Zedong. Big ass tits again. And... People's Republic. Mao Zedong. Got Post it. this. This got is not the, going to make it past the firewall. Ban this, you bitch. See, the real reason I wanted to go come out against the People's Republic of China, um, Taiwan, separate country, go Taiwan, is I want us to be like the counterculture. I was like, you know, you hear those things where it's like blue jeans are like yeah. dealt on the black market in China, like even though they all wear blue jeans, and it's yeah. a dumb example. Yeah. Or like in like no, I Middle saying. East countries, they'll like go to bunkers. And we want to be like rock and yeah, roll. we want to be like taboo, so they'll yes. like listen to us. Yes, That's good. yes. That's good. That's smart. So just like our dumb jokes. Yeah. Have like meaning. I like that. something. We got to start um, speaking in Mandarin and then they'll really, really get us. Yeah. Yeah. We need to have like code runners. Like mm-hmm. we need to get like, uh, like World War II era, like, yeah, like code writers to, yeah. to keep us incognito. And incorporate us with the big titty boat girls. I mean, that's our in. Yeah. That's our in. It's huge yeah. over there. So I know you want to be in. I know you do. I do. I do too. I do. I do too. Shimikaze is just like really. There's bad. there's a joke about naval like seamen in there somewhere, but uh, there is. I, I, I don't have the I don't have the wherewithal. Oh, here's right a cosplayer. Now. It's as weird as you'd think. All right, no, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna exit out. Let's put it away for today. Oh, I found another pillow. <laughs> this is this is the beginning of Alex's obsession. Oh, she's straight up touching herself on that pillow. I would just like uh, it to be made uh, known that Alex hasn't blinked since he started the. <laughs> 
His eyes are watering. There's no torque going on here, okay? I, I can literally see a goatee growing and uh, a piss bottle forming. Oh, oh no, a fedora is forming. His hair's marked into a fedora. <laughs> do, 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 do. I can be your angle or your devil. <laughs> All right, so what is the fic? What are we ficking? So completely unrelated. I want to fic you up. The fic for this week is a Back to the Future yes. fan fiction. Yes. Alex, you have a, a, a good connection to Back to the Future. Possibly. BTTF. Possibly my favorite movie franchise. It's definitely in the conversation. Would you like to explain it to all of the Fleet Girl fans that have come to our show and don't know anything about Back to the Future? And the Chinese who have like flocked to us now because we're taboo. Yes. Uh, 1985. Free Hong Kong. Marty Man. <laughs> what are the, the, the group of Muslims called? Google them. That's, that's like a big thing with the NBA right now. Um, 1985. Marty McFly. Friends with an old crazy man who used to work on the Manhattan Project, which is apparently a real thing. Then the Back to the Future, the second came. most famous World War II related science project of all time. Mm-hmm. The first one being the Cantai Collection. Uh, he is friends with Doc Brown, who is a scientist, and Doc Brown screws over some Libyans and takes some plutonium and creates a time machine. Out of a DeLorean. And for those of you who are only here for the Big Titty Goth Girls, a.k.a. your 12. They're not goth. They're oh, Big Titty Ship Girls. Oh, shit. Uh, the Big Titty Ship Girls. I just, that was a Freudian slip. Like, <laughs> we all know where my head's at. Um, we're, I don't know, there's something about them. One of those know, things where it's like, I want you to wreck my life. Most of like the um, Axis power ships like are yeah, display, like portrayed as goth girls. Yeah. Uh, not if it's made in Japan. They're, they're, those are the heroes. Yeah, yeah. Those are the heroes. <laughs> the the, the chill, allies are the Chill with that, bro. Yeah. Uh, Japan subtly wants you to know, like, uh, we're, we're really part of the allies. Totally. Totally, totally, we're totally. good. <laughs> we have great relations with the UF. Um, Welcome to Suck My Fanfic, the World War II fanfiction yeah. podcast. But they make a time machine out of DeLorean, which is a really popular car that's stainless steel and doesn't really go that fast. But it had the cool wing doors and it was popular. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the future. Uh, yeah, it's great. He goes he goes in the past mm-hmm. by 30 years, mm-hmm. meets his mom, and she tries to fuck him, um, which is totally cool. And then second movie goes 30 years into the future to 2015, which unfortunately didn't work out the way we wanted it to. And then the third movie goes back to cowboy times. I would like to make... So we're going we're gonna to go back to the third one in a second. I would like to touch on the second one real quick, where they go to 2015. Was it yeah. October 25th, 2015, something like that? Yeah. No, October 23rd. October 23rd, 2015. Um, they played that at the Rights Union on October 23rd, 2015. They played Back to the Future Part Oh, that's two. awesome. And I went after an exam. I was like the only person in there, but I was like, I'm feeling this. Yeah. Side note. I read a fan fiction. I didn't grab it for the, the, the pod because we kind of already had done this. But there is, um, there's a fan fiction. It's called 2015A. It's like presenting like Marty McFly is growing up. It's in the 90s and he's like, things aren't really progressing like I thought they would because we're going to 2015 and there's going to be flying cars. What's yeah. happening? It's like in the 90, late 90s. It's like, what's happening? And then you find out that the Libyans somehow found out about their time travel and were able to like replicate the technology. And the one event that prevents the 2015 from happening the, from the movie and creating the 2015 A that we have, have in our real life yeah. is September 11th. All right, I'm not going to lie. Sounds a lot better than Tumbling Towers. <laughs> I didn't want to do it because it's like... We don't need two 9-11 related things. I mean, we're going to have... That's what season three is for. Yeah, season three season season is about 9-11. Exactly. Um, but I thought that was interesting. So there's that for season two. Um, and it was only like a thousand words. That's I read actually, it and I was like... That's like, really interesting. Pretty dope. Yeah. Um, so 20, that, that we're living me, in 2015A. So to bring it back to the Big Titty Ship Girls. Yeah. There's a movie called The Final Countdown from the 80s. The final countdown. Of course, that's the theme song. Is it really? Yes. Good. It takes place on the USS Nimitz, which is the aircraft carrier. Which one? Which girl is that? Uh, I'm sure she's banging. Does she have? I'm sure they are quite large. She's the one with the big ones, probably. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it takes place in the 80s, and they're like just chipping off, and they're in the middle of the ocean, and then there's like this loud like, and then like all the glass breaks, everyone's like freaking out. And there's like a storm they go through. And they come out. None of their electronics are working. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And then they see a Japanese Zero. Mm. And so they they put up some of the F-14s to let them fly around. 
and they realize that it's December 6th, 1941. Ooh. And they're like, well, do we stop? How do they I love I love how people like find out about. Like how do yeah. they find out that they were Um, I'm trying to remember how they did it. I I Maybe they were, I think they like radioed to other ships, and the ship's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's not the 80s, it's like the summer ship, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. But they like, they saw the full fleet of Zeros, mm-hmm. and like the aircraft carriers that brought them over and everything, mm-hmm. and the whole movie is like, do we stop this? Dang. So, that that's a pretty good. cool time travel, and Big Titty Boat Girl, really. Mm, that's a twofer um, right there. It's a cool, it's a cool movie, though, if yeah. you want to. I'm not sure about that. That's not yeah, that the final countdown. I had to, it, oh, this is a funny, it, it's a fun story. My dad was, like, obsessed with that movie because he, he thought about it once and was like, oh, I have to show you the movie. And it was before you could just go on the internet and get anything. So we, like, went to all these different blockbusters. Oh, no. It was a good experience. Yeah. It was fun because it, like, it was, like, a cool scavenger hunt, me and my dad. I did that back before I had, like, I bought Netflix. Yeah. Like, it was that weird time when, like, Netflix was, like, just starting to, like, be popular. Yeah. I was looking for a movie to watch with like some girl I had a crush on in high school. I went to like fifteen red boxes. That was my nice. <laughs> that was my equivalent of that. Yeah, <laughs> drove all over Florida to find freaking red box. What was the movie? Um, Tangled. Oh, fuck you. It wasn't in red box. I still haven't seen it. I've never seen that movie, so no idea what's Man. going on with that one. It's not bad. But it's like about that. I don't know. It's a big commercial for L'Oreal or something. Yeah. So now please explain. So this fic has to do with the third Back to the Future Part yeah. Three. Can you explain really quickly that, just kind of the rundown of that? You can go the whole length, spoilers and all. Oh, I guess at the end of uh, 2, Doc gets sent back to um, Cowboy Times. Yep. What is it, 1885? something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And it's California, so there are cowboys everywhere. And one thing I like about Back to the Future is it's all centered around the town. It's all centered around Marty's family. And so um, it's called the same thing. I don't mm. know what the name of the town is. Hill Valley. Hill Valley, yeah. And so it's like Hill Valley, and then in the first and second one, there's a big component with like a clock. Um, so like they have like the clock unveiling. And it also works into like the time theme yeah, and everything. Yeah. yeah, and so Marty, at the end of the second movie, gets like a letter, and the person's like, boy, this letter's been waiting you for, for you for a long time. And like Doc had everything planned down to like this second mm-hmm. of when Marty was to receive this letter. Mm-hmm. And it, like, gave him instructions on where to find the DeLorean because he, like, stashed it in a, a mine and stuff. Right. And so Marty has to figure out how to get back to uh, Cowboy Times. Had you ever wondered how that letter was meticulously planned? It's kind of vague. It just seems like... Oh, fuck you. This is cool. It's called The Story of a Letter. All right, let's do it. A Back to the Future fan fiction. That's cool. This is uh, from fanfiction.net. What, what kind of, how, how good of an intro? Just like, let's yeah. like appreciate that real quick. Yeah. Have um, you ever seen A Million Ways to Die in the West? No. The, yeah. It's a shitty movie. Yes. The funniest part of that entire movie is Seth MacFarlane's character is walking through the town mm-hmm. and he opens up a random door and there's Christopher Lloyd with a DeLorean. Oh, yeah. Christopher Lloyd played Doc. Perfect. And so it was like a, it was like a joke that he was like in Hill Valley. Well, let's see if that shows up in this. I have a feeling it won't. Okay, so this is on fanfiction.net, again, called The Story of a Letter by Obsessed with Stuff. What a great name. It's a good name. What a great screen name. Me too. Um, Hashtag me too. So, uh, let's get into it. Back to the Future fans. Just jump right into it. Story of a Letter. As Doc strolled into the familiar wooden building of the Hill Valley Post Office that morning, his high expectations and hopes for the day were already beginning to falter. His casual whistling had had already droned to a halt as his early morning. High energy began seeping out of him. The reality of what he was doing truly only then beginning to dawn on him. In his hand, he, had a, he held a small red leather wallet he purchased from the store a few days earlier, tied and sealed tight, a strongly detailed note held tightly in his other hand. Inside was a letter, a single letter, three pages long, and an attached map and instructions addressed to his old friend, Marty McFly. Honestly, it had taken too long for him to write the letter. Four months, if you remembered correctly, from when he first sparked the idea. Not that time was an issue for him anyway. Yeah. But he could never seem to get it right. He would have never believed it would be so hard to write one final letter to Marty, summing up all the time they had spent together, everything Marty's friendship meant to him, how much he would miss him into only a few short paragraphs. It seemed impossible when he he actually came to write it. But he had tried. He had poured his heart and soul into it. And it had to be perfect. After all, it was the last Marty was ever going to hear of him. Doc couldn't believe it had been eight months to this day. Eight months since he was catapulted back in time against his will. Eight months since he last saw his friend. 
How long it would be until he stopped missing Marty, until the ache in his chest stopped appearing whenever he thought of him, Doc could not say. Well, good morning, Emmett. What can I do for you today? The owner of the post. That's how every old person yeah. in the West sounds. Yeah. I'm stepping up my, my impressions good. game for good. season two. The owner of the post office, not a man he associated with much, he never needed anything posted here in the past, was smiling as usual, his too cheery attitude for once making Doc frown in annoyance. Morning, Arthur. I need to ask you a favor. Doc was quick to jump to his subject, not in the mood for small talk on such a gray morning. He brought out the leather case and placed it on the countertop. Well, as long as it involves mail and letters, I'd be happy to oblige. The man laughed in reply. Doc didn't laugh with him. He didn't even smile. Joking was the last thing he felt like doing. We're going to totally uh, tag the Joker in this so mm-hmm. he more listens. Yes and no, Doc answered cryptically, sliding forward the case so Arthur could take a better look. The man was slow to catch the hint, his smile refusing to fade, but slowly beginning to notice the seriousness in Doc's tone. He picked up the letter and examined it closely, before giving Doc a confused look. If you want me to mail this, Emmett, I'm going to need an address. Doc shook his head. I don't want you to mail it. I need it to be delivered. You see, oh, I'm sorry, that's where you got me. We don't do deliveries here, you know that. The man tried to hand back the letter, but Doc refused to take it. As they stood frozen over the countertop, letter in between, the cheery owner of the post office smile faltered for the first time. That's why I need this favor, Arthur. I need you to deliver this for me. doesn't even have to be you personally. I just need someone to do it, please. Now, Emmett, I can pay you if you want. I'll give you the extra money to deliver it for me. Doc was already reaching in his back pocket and drawing out some money. He had brought along an extra $20 just in case the man needed a little persuading, although he had hoped he would be kind enough to simply do the favor. Pulling out a $5 bill, Doc handed it to the man. He couldn't help but smile at the surprised look on his face. Well, that's mighty generous, Emmett. I'm not sure I could take that from you. Please, take it. All I need in return is for you to deliver that letter to precisely where I say. There was a moment of silence as the man considered Doc's offer, wavering slightly between greed and inconvenience. In the end, it was inevitable which won over. It's done. He took the note and stuffed it into his coat pocket a little too eagerly before putting down the letter and grabbing a pen and paper to write down Doc's instructions. Now, where will I be delivering this letter to? When will you be delivering the letter? <laughs> oh, man. If only that was the line. Not where. When, Arthur. When, Arthur. No need to write it down. I already have it here. It's rather long in detail, and I don't want you to miss anything, so I took the liberty of writing it for you, Doc explained, taking the note and placing it on the counter beside the case. Now listen closely. I need this letter to be delivered on the date of November 12th, 1955. The sh- confused oh, it shock. It wasn't it? The confused yeah. shock on the man's face did not leave his expression because he's stuck in the past yeah. and he's got to go. He was utterly lost, looking almost dumbfounded at Doc's words, as though none of what he was saying was sinking in, only washing over him in incomprehension, although the scientist wasn't entirely surprised. It would be an almost miracle if he understood what he was saying. Some of the vocabulary he was using would not become commonplace until well into the 20th century, but it was all entirely necessary. Doc was suddenly extremely glad he had thought to write all of this down to add with the letter. At least now he could be more certain that the details would be noted and understood, if anything but he couldn't help but feel nervous about leaving such an important and dangerous document. It would be catastrophic if anyone were to get their hands on it and dig out the time machine in the hands of a simple post office clerk. He had no choice but to place all of his trust in the postal service with no way of knowing whether it would work. He would just have to hope Marty would find his way back to 1985 without any inconveniences. As Doc's explanation drew to a close... Wait, do you mean find his way back to the future? Back to the future, coming out summer of 1983. As Doc's explanations drew to a close and his time to leave and head back to his life in 1885 drew ever closer, Doc couldn't help but feel that same longing ache he always felt as missing Marty's sprout in his chest again. He was almost reluctant to hand over the leather case in finality to the man, almost reluctant to admit that it really was best for Marty to go straight back to the future after he fixed the time machine and not to come and visit. It suddenly dawned on Doc with a stab of lonely pain, as if he had not known it was coming for the last eight months, that this really was the last of his friend he was ever going to have, knowing that he would read this letter, travel back safe and sound to the future. Marty was gone. He would read the letter, fix the time machine, and return home safely. And they would part ways forever. Nothing more than a distant memory in the past or the future. As Doc walked from the post office, he couldn't stop the single tear from trickling down his cheek. He just hoped the letter said everything he needed to say. 
So for 70 years, the letter sat in waiting, rotting, almost like a spirit, at the back of the Hill Valley Post Office, even as the single wooden shack grew into the complicated town postal service that the future held for it. Everybody always in a rush to collect, sort, and deliver the mail. The infamous leather case always remained the same. People came and went. Owners grew old and passed on their legacy. Those that had been there all their lives and knew everything than those that were young, fresh, naive. But the letter always sat at the back, untouched, unchanged. It grew famous in the eyes of the post office, a joke commonly passed around to the mystery of its owner, who it was to be delivered to, with such intricate instructions had been given, who this Marty McFly person even was. There's a McFly family in town. Maybe he's related to them. Yeah. Letters that had arrived with no address were often compared to it, said to be as much as a mystery, as tauntingly inexplicable as the things that hid always on the back of shelves. Ghost stories made up by the old men who had worked there for too many years to tell the new ones on the job were spread of the story behind the letter, how it came to be, how it was delivered by a man, a ghost, who had one last wish to deliver this letter to his grandson as an adult, the wishes of the dead to pass on their final message. Or a witch, one who could predict the future, who would curse the letter, causing anyone to open it to fall under a terrible curse. Nobody ever believed it, of course, but there was still those who refused to touch it, those who refused to go near it through superstitious nonsense, claiming the letter simply didn't feel right, something creepy about it, something out of place. But the question always hung heavy in their minds. Would there really be anyone there when the time came to deliver it? Did Marty McFly even exist? As the time drew closer, the years ticking by and the rumors passing on, the people of the post office became more superstitious than ever. Suddenly, everything they had long denied as poppycock as to the story behind the letter was surfacing in their need to know the truth. Some were unsure, not wanting a curse hanging over their heads for the rest of their days. Some were desperate for answers, anticipating greatly the inevitable day when the time finally arrived. So it's building up. Yeah. Just sitting there, collecting dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The early months of 1955 were gone in a flash, dragging, uneventful, and soon the days were being counted down. Days until November. Days until it was here. They were drawing ever closer and closer to their anticipated answer. Whispers became talk. Rumors became beliefs. Bets were placed. Arguments quickly sprouted as to who would be the one to deliver the letter when the time came. The idea of a curse for some, a privilege for others. But the owner quickly put the sprouting sparks to, to bed by choosing a man indifferent about the whole matter, who had worked reliably for years with the post office. It did not feel the letter was more anything more than that. A letter. Whether this interest as to who was Marty McFly had been sparked by the letter's indefinite time waiting on their back shelves did not matter. He would get the job done. That's all it was, right? A job. Yeah. But as he drove out of Hill Valley and down the country road to the allocated spot slowly, constantly checking his watch to be certain he arrived exactly on time, his apprehension began to rise. And suddenly he was just as anxious as many others to know the truth behind the letter, not that he would ever show it. The lightning didn't help either. Sudden flashes and thundering sounds only increasing the tension hanging in the air. There was one flash he remembered, just as he was drawing close to the spot, close to the time, one brighter than usual, too bright for lightning, too white, too blinding, the noise not natural for thunder, but it was over in an instance, too soon to even think about. And then the rain came hammering down all at once, just as though he saw, just as he saw something in the distance, obscuring his view the rhythmic drumming of the pellets hitting his car roof, too disconnected, too jittery for his liking. His headlights quickly caught a young man standing dead in the middle of the road, rain pelting down on him without any care, and he turned as he heard the car coming up the road. A young man, brown hair, wearing a leather jacket and jeans, just like in the description. He knew immediately that this had to be Marty McFly. How are we feeling? I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> he stopped, gathering up his umbrella and the mysterious leather case, and stepping out of the car into the pelting rain. Marty! As soon as the man stepped through the office door, he was bombarded with questions. How did it go? Was he there? What did the letter say? Was it important? Who's Marty McFly? The man only shrugged in reply. Yep, he was there. Just like it said. He didn't care that the answer was not sufficient to quench the nosy curiosity of most of the people in the post office. They would simply have to live in the dark. He couldn't help but feel the letter was for the man named Marty, for him alone, mm -hmm. no one else. He had seemed so happy when he opened it, exclaiming it was from the doc, whoever that was, presumably an old friend, that he was alive, that he had felt not even himself should have been there to witness its opening. It was too personal for the likes of a stranger like him. To get away from the angry faces and loud yells, he hustled outside for a quick smoke, needing to relax after that eventful day. He couldn't help but think of the man as he had dashed back down the road into town, and everything he had as though it was some the most important thing in the world. 
watching his brief, shadowy figure disappear into the misty rain. Now that he thought about it, the dreamlike, hazy memory of it all made him question whether Marty really had been a ghost after all. If the doc friend of his had delivered it over 70 years ago, he had to be dead by now, and Marty had clearly shouted as if he was going to meet him. Yeah. A thundering noise suddenly brought him out of his thoughts and back into the cold, stormy night of reality. It wasn't thunder, no. It was, it was too artificial for thunder. And the lightning that came with it was too bright, too blindingly light, bright to be real. And it didn't come from the sky. It came from the ground, simply around the corner and down the street, distant, most certainly not lightning. It was the second time he had seen it that night. And he couldn't help but smile in realization, knowing without a doubt that the unreal lightning and thunder were deeply linked with the leather case that had sat on their back shelves for much too long, had everything to do with the letter and Marty and the doc. That was great. Yeah, I mean, that was it. Yeah, was I really liked it, dude. Yeah, I really kind of, and uh, I know I kind of sold it more in the beginning of like a like a Rube Goldberg no. type, like, and then the letter went to this guy and was handed to this guy. It didn't guy. need to be like that. It was just... I thought it was good. And again, that's more like the spirit of the fanfic, of like a good fanfic, is you just kind of take one little one-off detail and like, let's run with it. Let's expand on it. That was good. Mm-hmm. There was no, no one fucking a letter, which was nice. Yeah, no. I mean, the letter... I mean, it probably would have been better if you fucked the letter. I cut out a lot. I mean, the letter has a big role to character, yeah. and it just has a lot of, like, really, like, negative racial things. Yeah. So I just... Well, I thought the letter... Well, it's time. Yeah. 1985. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I kind of skipped around all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, dude. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I liked the, the mystery and, like, just picking the one guy that's like, yeah, I'm just going to do the job. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a job. I'm just trying to... Get it to him. When I began reading it, I was like, it talks about like the longing and the aching of like never seeing Marty again. Mm-hmm. I guess I like never really put together that they were like super good friends. I always thought Marty was yeah. just like a lab assistant. Yeah. And I thought this was going to delve into the other side of Back to the Future fanfic, which is... Uh, please don't. <laughs> okay. I'll leave that for another day. No, it is, I mean, no, I'm saying like don't delve into it, but it's it's just them banging. Yes, of course. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's where Rick and Morty came from. No. Yeah. Yeah, Justin Roiland, the creator, did a short called Doc and Marty, and it was Marty sucking Doc's balls. <laughs> you, got, you gotta suck my balls, Marty! This, yeah, this, yeah. I've seen it. You gotta suck my balls, Marty, yeah. Um, you do the better. Uh, I guess it's a Doc voice, too. It's yeah. a Rick and a Doc <laughs> voice, so. Um, man, you're really killing it with the voices know, this, I'm all, this time. I'm all over the place. Uh, but no, I liked it. That was good. That was good. And I liked the Back to the Future. I liked that it kind of like connected into it, and uh, I do want to say... Um, for everyone who's a big MCU fan, fuck you. Because of, in Endgame, they had to shit talk uh, Back to the Future. The mechanics of it. Yeah, right? that hurt me. Um, you're wrong. And uh, doesn't that, that ends up being the time travel mechanic they use in the movie anyway, right? No. Yeah, that it's all like one continuum? No. No, that's not what they use in Endgame? No. I thought it was. Mm-mm. Because everything they do causes everything that happened. Like no. it was a closed loop. No, it wasn't a closed loop. No? No. Oh, I guess... Yeah, I guess I guess when he talks to uh, the, the lady on the top of the inner sanctum, she talks about like different streams and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's that's how they're going to justify a lot of the Disney Plus shows. That's why Loki has his own show. Okay. It's a different Loki than yeah, the one that died. Okay, it's the one that sneaks off in that yeah. one scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's how... Um, God, but, they, they, but yet they still have the thing where Captain America like comes back around. He's like, yeah, oh, I was, was here I was the whole say. time. So they kind of have their cake and eat it too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I only watched it once. I'm not like one of those people that watched it a million times. No, I only watched it once. Um, but I'm just saying, I think that the um, Back to the Future logic is good. Mm-hmm. And fuck you. So mm-hmm. Fuck you. That was good. I liked it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any more. As far as criticisms go, I don't really have... Many, I like that it was for what it was. It was I thought it was great. Quick in and out. Yeah, I think that catapulted yeah. uh, the guy who delivers the letter at the end of Back to the Future Two into like one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's a lot cooler. There's a lot more about him now. So he's I just like a that. man who does his job. Doing job. Uh, thank you for getting that though. For like bringing that in, I like that. That was of course, good. Of course, you're welcome. Uh, so what are you stoked on? Um, real quick, I just well, we just found out. That the new Kanye West album just dropped, so I'm going to go listen to that. I can't even talk about how stoked I am on it. I just, I got to listen to it. Uh, Good luck with that. We'll see how that turns out. Well, I anticipate. Very well. I hope so for your sake. Uh, I am also stoked on something musical, but sort of the complete opposite. No, it's Mm -hmm. just as much of a joke. Do you know um, Danny Gonzalez? 
He's like a Viner turned YouTuber. Yes. That's his name, right? Danny Gonzalez? I sound really stupid. Yeah, yeah, the guy's like, hey, what up, Greg? That guy? No, that's... He gets confused all the time with uh, Roadwork Ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sure hope it does. But they're like best friends, apparently, in real life. Yeah, it's Danny Gonzalez. Yeah, that, that's, how, that's how he intros all his YouTube videos. Does he say, what up, Greg? What up, Greg? Oh, he does. But it, um, the other, his friend, I can't remember his friend's name right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I should remember. He, he lives in Orlando. Okay. What about name. Danny Gonzalez? Uh, he put out, he puts out like joke music. And he has an EP he just put out called Bump This. And one of the songs is called The T. And um, it gave me cancer, but it's good. It's really good. <laughs> The the most like, things that all most of the good things do. Yeah, yeah. The last line in the chorus is "This is really lit, sis." That's the T. Oh, so it's like a it like great. takes all of the like different phrases from 2019 and like just fucking scoops them up into. A, I feel like 2019 lasted an entire decade. Yeah, it's been long. It's been a long one. Culturally, it's been yeah. A, long a lot year. of stuff has happened. Yeah. Jeez. So uh, I'm stuck on that song. It's stuck in my head, and I have cancer, but it's good. So yeah. That sounds good. That's I'm, what I'm I'm, I don't want to get cancer, so I won't listen to it. Listen, but I, I you're going to listen to a Kanye album, so you're going to get it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's going to uh, be dope. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our discussion about Big Titty Boat Girls and Back to the Future mm-hmm. and Kanye West mm-hmm. for a split second. Uh, we appreciate you guys sticking around. I mean, we're chugging along with season two. Chugging, chugging, chugging. And uh, we apologize if there's differences in quality between episodes, but we're still trying to figure out this... Uh, long distance thing. Uh, if you couldn't tell, we're actually in the same room recording right now. Yep. So, um, someone may or may not be in Manhattan as of this recording. Ooh. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Follow us on the social medias. Follow us on the Patreon and give us your monies. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate you guys supporting us and doing your thing. Uh, Ryan, what should we remember? At the end of the day, whether it's, uh, you know, philosophical deep dive into the nature of life it's you know the truth of love and Mm -hmm. and history or it's about big titty boat girls (laughs) you have a story to tell there's a story that only you have and only (laughs) you can tell it and if it's going to be four billion words it's going to be four million words it's going to be 400 words it matters so go out there today tell your story because we need to hear it we love you guys Nice.